Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. So um, it's been some weeks now because we had um, we Easter, Palm Sunday, so it's been a couple weeks since we've been in Hebrews. But if you remember, we closed off uh, Hebrews chapter 5, and this is a continuation. It's important to remember that chapters and verses, they were not like, it's not like they were writing it down. Paul's writing it down. And he's like, verse one, and, you know, he was writing the whole thing. It was a letter, right? And so this has been, you know, the, the divisions, some divisions are better than others, but it's important to understand none of these are actual like divisions, except for this is a new book. This is a new letter. So we're working with that. So this is a continuation of of chapter 5. I'll actually read the last couple verses of chapter 5 because it'll give us some good context here. And context is very important, right? Because if you could take a verse out of context and make it say whatever you want, you can actually make it... Have you seen videos where people do that? What from? They can make someone say crazy things. From If you have enough video of anyone, you would be able to... Peer, Put all the words together, and you could have them say anything you want. We do not want to do that with the Word of God, right? So, um, chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is... Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You should be growing, but you're not. You're still on the milk. You should have been maturing because if you were using the senses that have been given to you, if you were using the, your, the, what's been given to you to grow and you're actually applying these things, you would not be still in the same spot you're in right now. We know this, right? Uh, as we grow up, What do we do? We start learning how to use, okay, I can use my hands better. You know, a baby at first, they can't really even see clearly. And then they're like, their hands are like weapons used against them, right? That's why you have to put stuff on their hands because they're scratching their face. And you're like, ah, what are you doing? They're like, ah, and they're crying. But you're like, you did it to yourself. You just, why, you know? And they see you, what do you do? You kind of bundle them up and swaddle them. And I was the king of the swaddle. I was just like, you're not going anywhere. And Cannon, he pressed me, man. He was like, he was, he was game, but I, I, I held on. I was, <laughs> is he breathing? I don't know, but he's swaddled real good. Um, tighter than the womb. Uh, so, but as you grow, you learn to use your hands. And all of a sudden, you see a kid, and they, like, learn to crawl. And, and now, all of a sudden, they're standing up. And you're like, oh, man, that's scary. And all of a sudden, you realize your coffee table has a sharp edge on it. And everything in your house is a death trap. And uh, then, all of a sudden, they're moving around. And you're like, man, i got to start plugging up these electrical outlets. And then, all of a sudden, they're plugging in things into the electrical outlets. And uh, now, they're using their mind to come up with different ideas. And the computers and the ability to run and to compete in sport and think and come up with great ideas and art and all these different things. This is all part of using your senses. You never grow unless you use any of them. And so Paul is saying, you guys should have been growing in this way, but you're kind of just hanging out over here and you're just not eating anything. You're sticking to the milk. You don't want to grow. You're staying. So this is a continuation of that. 
So he says this in chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. So after recognizing we don't want to do that, let us go on to perfection. You go, perfection? Well, if you've been here any amount of time, you know perfection is, is tied with, the word is perfection or maturity. They'd be complete, you, a, a perfect man. No, it's, the idea is mature. A mature person. That you're moving towards maturity. Towards what you were supposed to be. That's the idea of perfection. What it was always intended to be. And that's in that process of, as we've said, sanctification. Where we're becoming more like Christ. We're moving towards what we're supposed to be. We're moving towards the masterpiece we were called to. Will we ever fully reach that? Probably not. But we're moving towards that thing. Right? And, and, and that's why it's really important to have goals that are in mind. You know, if you're running and you're like, all I got to do is get to the end of this street, there's a good chance you'll get there. <laughs> if you're like, I don't know when I'm ever going to stop, you, probably now, you know. You got to have, in a sense, a goal in mind that you're reaching out towards, that you're looking to, that you're trying to find a way to get to. This is where we're going. I want to, that's where I'm going. So our, our hope is, is in heaven, obviously. That's where our treasures are. That's where all this is. But our, there's a, also a point to where we're, I want to lay hold of all that Christ has laid hold of me. That I can attain everything he wants me to do. I want to be able to grab as much of that as I can. It's interesting, the, uh, uh, the mile once someone broke the four-minute mile, it seemed impossible, right? But once someone did it, everyone did it, right? It's like, all this, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, all of us have done it, right? I broke a six-minute mile. I'm proud of that, over 200 pounds. That's a, all right. But four? Have you ever seen the pace of a four-minute mile? These people are sprinting for a mile with these long legs. They're just, you're like, you are a machine. Four minutes, but they broke it. Same idea. Uh, skate parks used to be like professional skateboarders. There's like kids at skate parks that could do what the professionals used to be able to, you know, get paid to do. Why? Because there's like, oh, wow, I, I can do that? You, you, you get to that place. Okay, so that's the important thing of discipleship and also remembering our calling. What we're called to is much, much greater than what we think it is. We've been saved for a reason. And it's, it, no one in here is like a middle tier, you know, option. God has saved every person in here for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, with a, with a good plan in mind, with works line, that we could walk, that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2. He wants us to be what we're called to be. So how do we do that? We move away from the elementary principles of Christ and we go on to perfection. So here's the things we don't lay on again. Now what's cool is we get a little bit of a list of what they saw as important things in the life of a believer. That's an important thing to know. What did these people value as? Because the closer we can understand the first church, the better. They were close to Jesus. They were hanging out with him, they, like a lot of them, you know? And they, they, this was the original church. We have, you know... Um, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and, and wild stuff going on. So here's, here's the things that you, we want to be established in, but we don't want to just hang out in and have to relearn a million times, okay? Because we want to grow up. Once you learn how to crawl, you don't have to learn how to crawl again. You know, like you start walking and you're like, cool, you're walking, let's go crawl again though. 
I want to make sure you can still crawl. Like, why? My knees hurt when I crawl, you know? I don't like that feeling. Like, oh, you can stand up. Good, let's work on that, you know, whatever. Barring an injury or something. So, uh, let us, we move on from the discussion of elementary pr- principles of Christ. Let's go to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. Okay, so remember, one of the, the issues that the Hebrews were dealing with was going back to the law. They were kind of looking back to the law, the nostalgia, the, in a sense, simplicity, I guess, uh, or at least something that they knew. And so he's like, let's not lay again to dead works, thinking that your works could somehow get you saved. That was, all of the law was pointing to Christ. There is no going back. There is no works for you. This was pointing to Christ. It was a placeholder. It was was nothing. It was a shadow of the real thing. There's nothing to go back to. So repentance, so we don't have to keep doing this. Repentance, which is to change our mind from thinking that dead works does something. We don't want to have to keep doing that. We should know this by now. We should know this and mature from this point on, right? So the negative would be repentance from dead works. And now, again, that could be the works of the law, where you're thinking that this is what justifies you, this is what makes you right before God and allows you to have a relationship, really even that this is what sets you apart. Now, do our works important? Yes, but the works are a fruit of the Spirit. They're done in us. Like, so these works come out of us. That's what the book of James is about. There's no contradiction. Like if God saved you, he saved you to do something. He redeemed you so that your life would look like it's redeemed. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't you want to see that happen? You would think. Right? You plant, you go and you plant an orange tree, and you're just like, I love oranges, you know. Inland Empire, you know, Redlands, I have an orange, this is a Redlands, that's Redlands, okay. Oranges. We love our oranges, my goodness. Now imagine I get an orange tree, and I'm just like, oh, let's put water on this, and I just baby it, you know. It's got a blanket in the winter around it and everything, you know. And you're just like, ah, and it's like not producing fruit. You're like, it's okay. It's a new tree, man. It's all right. It's cool. The leaves look pretty good. Um, the next year, you're like, man, you know, I thought I'd get something. Thought there'd be something, you know. Then the third year, then the fourth year, and you're like, what did I plant? Is that an orange tree at all? Because what does an orange tree do? It produces oranges. And so it's important for us to understand, what is a Christian what is a Christian, a Christ follower? What are the fruits or the signs of, that you're following Christ? Fruit. That there's fruit in our lives, right? And, and God is immensely patient with us. I mean, he's so patient with us. And, he's, and he's, he knows our struggles. And he knows sometimes we're not going to be producing as good a fruit. But the idea is that we're, we're constantly looking to him to be like, God, man, you know, keep working in me. Like, like, keep on taking out the stuff that's not good because a lot we're going to talk about we're going to talk about seeds and we're going to talk about so, soil in a little bit here because it ties in directly with what we're you know studying. But we want we would expect that, okay? So, repentance from dead works. You're not going to get it. You know your works don't mean anything. Also, repentance from dead works and the fact of sin, stuff in your life that is outworkings of sin. Repenting from those things. Get rid of them. 
change your mind about those, those kind of things, right? Don't keep starting from scratch. Move on, right? There's, we don't want to go back. Um, you know, when kids learn how to ride a bike, what do they have? What do you put on the kid's bike? Training wheels. Yep, training wheels. Um, do you know they're so dangerous? <laughs> training wheels are so dangerous. Found that out. Anytime there's any sort of like a dip or something, they are so <laughs> sketchy, you know? And, and then if a kid is used to riding a bike without training wheels and they go get back on one, they're used to leaning. There's no lean, so they just turn. It's like, ooh, you know, over the top. Now imagine taking a bike, uh, taking a mountain bike, and you're going mountain biking, you try to put training wheels back on. Don't, you wouldn't do that. You will kill yourself. It's going to get hung up on everything. You need to be able to move and maneuver and do what you're called to do and supposed to. And it, and it all comes from, you know, first you go down a little trail, then you go down a little bit harder trail, and they're labeled the green, the blue, the black, the double black. Man, okay, now I'm in the double black diamond, expert trail. How do you get there? Well, you start off on the green. But I'll tell you what, you don't want to stay on the green. You might say, I'm just going to take it easy. Yeah, good luck. Good luck taking it easy. You will be on the blue soon, and then you'll be pushing it again. Why? Because we were meant to progress. And so why would it be any different in our relationship with the Lord? So we don't want to have to be starting from scratch over and over again. Uh, instead, we want faith toward God. And we've talked a lot about faith as the idea of being allegiance. He, we, he has our full allegiance and trust. He's in charge. He's the head of the body. He's the head of our lives. He, he is Savior and he's Lord. That's the idea of faith. What you say, I believe. And I follow. And I align. And the more you can align, the better we can do. Uh, in following him, the more fruit is going to come out of our lives. So not dead works, instead faith uh, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands. Um, so baptism, this is actually not, it's like this, the term here is for like washing. And it's going back to some of the old stuff to the cleansing. So it's like the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. That's the idea uh, of going back to the, the cleansing work of God because it was the laying on of hands and of the cleansing of the dishes, the laying on the hands of the animals. This is, this is the, the way we're cleansed and purified through the temple rites, but now through Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then from the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. We should be sure of these things, the resurrection of the dead. And boy, we spent a, a whole week talking about it last week. If the dead don't rise, you know, then we are of all men most pitiable. We, we, are, we are, our faith is hopeless. We've got no, what are we doing here? Oh, it's North San Diego. Why are we here? We could be doing a million other things. No, but the dead do rise. So we're assured of these things. We believe in the resurrection, so we're not constantly having to be reconvinced. We, we have shored it up in our hearts because we've taken it seriously, and we've, we've spent the time to allow God to, to affirm these things in our hearts. And then the other part is eternal judgment, knowing the end. So we have a purpose in mind of why we're here, whose we are, who we are, whose we are, why we're here, and then how it all ends. And, and it's through that we live our lives. But if we're constantly 
I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you've known people like that, where it's like, I don't know about all this. You're like, we've had this conversation a million times. So do the work, and let's figure it out. Like, let's go to God with this. Because otherwise, we're just like, man, flopping back and forth over and over again. And, and we've all do, done that to some extent, right? Where it's like, I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. God's the most important thing in my life, and eh, maybe next week. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, but there's no growth there. And if we're being, being really honest, it's like it gets really ugly and really gnarly and dark. Because I think there's nothing more hopeless than knowing the real thing and then trying to find it in something you know doesn't work. Right? Yeah, there's nothing here for me, but I guess I don't know what to do. I don't want to follow him because I want to do my own thing, but I know doing my own thing is the worst. So this is what we want to move on from and become more matured in. And it's a process, and God is with us, all of that. Okay, so here we go. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. And um, we'll finish the rest in a second here. It is impossible, impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. Um, so there's a lot of ideas, right? Because we're going to be talking about someone who is seemingly, at the very least, been around the church, been around it, um, professed it in some sense, um, been, been around, has understood, that's enlightened, could be understood, uh, have tasted the heavenly gift. There has been an actual, in a sense, partaking of that and also partaking of the Holy Spirit. God has done a, some form of a work in this person. And they've tasted the good word of God and the power of the ages to come. They're, they are, have felt and tasted and been around what God is doing. But we're going to see this person is, is in a bad place if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify that for themselves the Son of God and put them to open shame. It's impossible at that point. So this is this is this is the tricky stuff, right? Like I thought, I thought it was like when we're saved, then He's got us, and um, you know He's begun a good work, we'll complete it. Um, and and of course, this is where you can really get into like Reformed theology, you know, <laughs> where it's like. Once saved, always saved, uh, you know, like when, when, because God did it, you didn't have anything to do with it at all. Or, you know, yeah, of course we can make a decision. Uh, one thing I know for sure, God sometimes, you know, there's at times, God makes it very clear that he just grabs and saves people, effectual calling. You know, an example of that, the Apostle Paul. You are not going that way anymore. You're coming with me. Sometimes he does that, Right? And he says, guess what? You're, you're, I'm hijacking your life and you're coming with me. And you see nothing but joy and he's just pumped for it, right? But we also, can't, there's no way that you could blame God for the fact that, you know, we make decisions, don't we? We make decisions that lead to other decisions that lead to lifestyle things and character things. And so how do we look at this, you know? One is, oh, it's a hypothetical situation. That's one of the views, you know. This is a hypothetical situation. It would never happen. Well, I don't think that's the case. Is, it, is this an, the actual state? I, I, think, I think there's some level of that being the case. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, I don't know exactly how much of a believer this person was that is able to walk away. But I think what's really clear is this isn't just a stumbling. This is someone who has decided to become an enemy of the cross of Christ. And it's, it's terrifying to think we can do that. In whatever, state, in whatever state you're in, to become an enemy of the cross of Christ. And, and maybe I know people like this who were, I, I, who's to say who's exactly saved? We don't know that, right? Only God knows the heart of people. Uh, if you've been deceived by people that you trusted and you thought were so legit and you found out that they were super sideways and crooked, oh man, you start questioning everything. You know, you're like looking at your kids like, what's your real name? You're like, you named me. Th- I thought I did, but who knows now, you know? See, we, we're easily deceived. We don't know what's going on in everybody's heart. But there's been people that I could have sworn were like new Jesus. And they kind of got caught up in some sin and, they, and, then, and then it became like more than just a little bit of sin. And then now all of a sudden, I don't know. I, I don't really fall in line with that worldview anymore. I kind of want to do my own thing. I'm still cool with Jesus. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't really want anything to do with this. And then, and, and that's a lot of us. We've all, that's kind of like the prodigal son, right? Dad, uh, okay, get out of the way. I need to party a little bit. I just got to do my thing. So give me my money. You're not dying fast enough. So give me my money so I can go spend it, my inheritance. And then you wise up. Man, that's many of our stories, is it not? We get that. This is the type of person, though, that becomes an enemy of the cross. You know, because the, the prodigal son always has in his mind, you know, my, I, I think I could go back and become a servant for my dad because my dad's a good guy. He's a good guy. And I think he would take care. I think he would like let me be a servant for him. It's, it's anything's better than this. No, this is the, the type of person that, that just is, is going after the cross. Like anti. Yeah, I think there's some parallels. We can look at parallels to someone like Pharaoh, right? Whose heart is hard. There's like an element of his heart is hard. Pharaoh's heart is hard. Pharaoh's heart is hard. Pharaoh's heart, it's hard, 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 hard. And then God's like, I'm going to harden it all the way. And I'm going to use you anyways. Terrifying. But this is an important thing. And we've talked about this actually in the last month or so. A sobering call to, to conviction. To what God has given even as conscience. And this is what we're trying to teach our kids. Don't, don't try to learn to ignore your conscience. You know what's sad? You will be able to do it eventually. But as soon as you do, you're losing a part of yourself. It's like you're, you're not human anymore in a sense. Like you, you start being able to make decisions that you would have never made before. And you stop thinking about consequences. Like you pay attention. If, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and moving in your life, listen. If he's telling you to, to confess some sin, do it. You don't know if it'll be as easy next time. You don't know if you'll even be able to hear it next time. So this is like, in a sense, a sobering situation. Because look, at this is how this person is described. Those people who are enlightened. I think that could be that they went from dark to light. It could be understanding. 
have tasted the heavenly gift. Um, tasted. Well, where else do we see tasted used in Hebrews? Jesus tasted death. Did he nibble on it? You know, did he swish it around in his mouth and spit it out? No, it was full on, tasted it. So I think the idea is this is something that's been realized, recognized, tasted, right? Um, partakers of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That there's been some sort of dealings in the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit has been effectively working in this person's life in some sense. Or at very least, they've witnessed it. They tasted the good word of God. They've, they've tasted the, the good news of the gospel. They've understood it, in a sense. And the powers of the age to come. <laughs> they know who God is. This is, this is crazy, isn't it? I, I'm, always, I, I'm always sobered by Judas, who was able... He was able to hang out with Jesus and see him do all those miracles and somehow decided to sell him off. And then we see Judas, like, he's distraught. What does he end up doing? He ends up killing himself and throws it. It's like the money. He doesn't care about the money. The money's all in the, just throw it out. This is nothing. It's like his own form of repentance, but it's not real repentance. I think he's just distra he's distraught. And we see a really interesting parallel of what real repentance looks like where, look, you were, you were, you were arrogant and you were so wrong, Peter. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to shut up and listen every once in a while, you know, with your hard head and your big ideas and your machismo that does not work when push comes to shove, you know, because you ran, boy, we all saw it, you know. So like the, 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 that, that's going to have to go. And by the way, Peter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you back up after you've been broken down. But we see something different with Judas. We see something different. He recognized there's a problem, but he, he didn't solve the problem. It actually led to more problems. So we, this is someone who's experienced all of that. So I think about Matthew 13, right? The parable of the sower. This gives us a good insights into how this works, right? Because, I mean, tell me you're not thinking of people right now. Is is it scary thought, right? It's the idea of all of this, right? So Matthew 13 says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the, the understanding of it. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, but he received the seed on the stony places. So there's the seed on the wayside, um, and it was the wicked one just came and snatched it up. Didn't understand anything at all. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about here. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when the tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. What's happening in Hebrew, in the, the context of who this letter is being written to? Persecution. There's shaking up. And so when things get shook up, all of a sudden, I'm out of here. This is why I think it's really important that when we preach the gospel and when we, we teach the Bible, we're not teaching some false, um, you know, help and health, wealth gospel. 
Because then as soon as it all goes sideways, which it will in life, you're like, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't buy the Bowflex, you know, so I wouldn't be ripped. You know, I didn't have these, uh, the electronic ab things on, you know, where it's like, it's like I'm doing a million crunches every day, you know. Small electrocutions for the rest of my life, you know. How are you doing? Ah, I'm good. <laughs> so now I know, you know what it's like to have a baby, I guess. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Not, women are like, no. Okay, you're right. But, like, we are like, well, well, how come I didn't get what I was looking for? How come this didn't work? How come me uh, ordering the, you know, um, you know, the plan, the workout plan, didn't magically make me ripped? And so it, it's like we got to be careful what we're selling. That the fact is that, that this is not a sale at all. It is a, an opportunity to come and know God and be known by God and have him meet us and go with us through all the struggles and all the pain and to know that he's, when we're weak, he's strong. Well, that means you're going to have to be weak. That means we're going to have to go through struggles to see that he's closer than a brother, to show that he shows up when we need him the most. So the stony ground is like people who are like, um, hey, uh, hey guys, like check it out. Um, you should, no one wants to go to hell, right? Yeah, right? Can I get an amen? Everybody's like, amen, yeah, cool. Um, so all you got to do is say this really quick prayer, and you won't go to hell. Okay, cool. How do you say it? You say it just like this. Boom, you're good. And they go, cool. You know, I got life insurance. Now I've got um, death insurance, you know, or whatever. So I'm good to go. And, and obviously, the gospel message is partially that. We, we want, we're safe from eternal judgment. That's part of it. Understanding, understanding the end. We've got to know that. And that's a great thing. But if we don't understand that it's not just like a, oh, <laughs> you get to heaven, and it's like, okay, so uh, are you a Christian? You're like, yes. And they're like, well, what, what, what happened? How? You know, how have you trusted Jesus? It's like, check it out. On this day, I said this one thing, and here's my card. You know, I'm good. I got a free Donuts for Life, you know, club card or something. That, that's not how that works. The idea is, yes, Savior, also Lord, ruler of our life. And then, so then when the hard things come, it's easy to leave because you don't know what it really is. And so many things, uh, especially in our culture, things are just so easy. It's so easy. You know, I've talked before about how I like watching uh, these, like, uh, survival shows and stuff. Um, and one of the things I, I recognize, like, alone, like, when they, they'll kill an animal to eat it, and they're, like, crying when they have it. They, like, can't believe it, that they're getting to eat. And they're like, I wish people knew what it was like. Because there's no faces on anything, you know? You just go pick it up, and you're like, this must have come from, you know, the grocery store. That's where, it, you know, the warehouse. That's where they make this. You're like, no, you know where this comes from. You recognize the fact that there's, that, that there's a gratefulness in a, uh, because life is too easy in a sense for us. I remember seeing uh, these homesteaders in Alaska, and they had to kill their cow, and it was like their friend. Like, like they loved it, and he was bawling his eyes out, killing it knowing they had to eat it, and they got to eat it, and they were grateful, and they enjoyed it. But it was like, this is an understanding of what's really going on around. So for us, we've got such a 
distorted view of what it means to suffer in so many ways, right? And so we go, anything that is an in, inconvenience or a discomfort, we don't want anything to do with it. And it's getting even worse as the culture goes on. Don't even tell me that I have to do anything. Leave me alone. I'm perfect the way I am. Well, how's that going to work out? Well, we'll find out. It's coming out. But the fact that we think, oh, I've never had to struggle or have to deal with anything. That's the seed that's by the rocks. There's nothing there. There's, not, there's no way to go roots because there's too many obstacles that won't allow it. No, I will not give that part of my life up. No, I will not suffer. No, I will not struggle. I will find a better way. So then he says, but he who received the word, okay, uh, he received it in joy, sure, but only for a while. That might be what we're talking about. Someone who's, who's in, you know, enjoy, like enjoyed it for a little while, but then left. Um, now, there, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and, cares, uh, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. There's another one. So this is someone who has received the word, heard the word, and the cares of the world have sucked sucked all the life out of them, right? If I, were to, if I had my orange tree and it wasn't producing any fruit, I would want to check the soil. Hey, did you plant this on gravel? <laughs> Bad idea, man, you know? Or is there weeds that are sucking all the nutrients out of the ground that are not allowing it to grow the way it's supposed to grow? So we have that, the cares of this world. This one is not checked nearly enough in the church today. Fear, anxiety, worry. The fears of the world will make us do really crazy things that do not look godly at all. Right? And we justify it. Oh, I'm just, you know, this or I'm just that. It's like, be careful. We got to be careful. Because the way that we view everything, the way that we live, it, it, it gets us off of trusting fully in God. That's faith, allegiance. So God says, follow me. Man, I got a plan for you. I, I, I know where we're going. Trust me. There's going to be seasons where it's kind of gnarly. And trust me, it's going to get a little tight in here. But I, I know the way and I'll lead you through. And don't you worry about a thing. I've got it. And we go, no, but it's tight in here. He's like, I know, I told you that. And you're like, no way. I'm claustrophobic. I'm out of here. I, I can't handle that. There's no way. And so he's like trying to take us into all these different ways. And, and the world is choking out all the life of us. It's really important because the seed is still effective. Because as we'll see, the last one, he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Food is produced out of that life. There's a lot of warnings throughout the scriptures about how easy it is to fall off. I mean, the, the rocks... It's so easy to have our comforts hold us back. It's so easy to have short root systems because we are just, we have blockades there. We have, we have, nope, you can't touch that. Nope, that's immovable. Nope, you can't get through that. It's so easy to have the weeds come in and say, no, I know the Bible says that, but come on. It's 2023. We've got a better way. 
you know? Or, do you know, you can't follow Jesus right now. Look at the world around you. You've got to be thinking about you and no one else. It's all about you. You know how easy it is for that to happen. How do we know this? Because we all experience this to some extent, right? We all get this. But God wants to do something in us where as we have this good soil, the fruit is being produced at a high rate. So cool. But there's gonna be, there's a real threat. There's a real threat. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 says, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. How do you abandon the faith if you didn't have it in the first place? Hebrews 3.12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you uh, has sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It's, there's an ability to turn away. 2 Peter 2, 20-22, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them to uh, them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. And then 22, uh, of them, the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit and a cell uh, that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. So, pig, right? Um, heavy. <laughs> but it's, it's really important that we have these kind of verses to, to remind us that we are so prone to wander. That's that come, come thou fount, that old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to lead the God I love. It's like this, how could we? And then what is, what is the song, what is the, you know, I forget who wrote that one. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Seal my heart, Lord. Make, don't allow that. Verse 7 and 8 here. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Jesus warned us of this himself. I am the vine, John 15, 5 and 6. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Man, sobering. Sometimes we need sobering words, though, right? Fruit matters. Where is the, what is the proof of growth and maturity? Fruit. Fruit in our lives. Fruits of the Spirit. These things happening in our lives. God moving and changing us. So we take inventory. Psalm 139, 23, uh, 24. By, oh, wait. No, that's not it. Oops, I did the wrong one there. But the idea is um, we search our own hearts. Like search, or search me and know me, Lord. Find anything in me that's not pure and not true. Like help me. Fix, like help me to fix the problem in my life. Show me these things. Show me where I've gotten off track. 
one degree that's going to lead to miles off 20 years later. Um, so then, yeah, Paul says this. He says, because uh, he's, he's always taking, he's always looking at his ability to slip. Paul's always thinking about this. And you're like, if anybody, Paul? I mean, this guy was down, man, you know? But I think that's the idea. He says, I discipline my body in 1 Corinthians 9. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. There's a recognition of this. So I think we don't want to take it lightly. Now, here's the thing. We don't want to go home and think, oh, I don't think I'm, oh, no, I'm not saved because I've made a mistake. Hey, look, if there's conviction, if God is moving in your heart, you're not there. <laughs> like, like, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. But the idea is falling away. Falling away is different than to fall. Falling away is choosing your own way completely and saying you want nothing to do with God and you become an enemy of the cross of Christ. It happened, seemed to happen a lot. Paul would be writing letters and be like, these people have left. They're gone. They've become like enemies. People who are part of this have gone away. So we have to, what, what's our response? What do we do with all this information? What do we do with this, these verses? We, see, we pay really close attention to what God is saying to us. We say, where are the rocks in my soil? where I've, I have deal breakers, where if it crosses there, I don't know. No. Can't touch that. Right? Or where are the weeds that are the things of the world that are trying to choke out the life that's in us? Trying to choke out what God is doing and speaking to us. Trying to choke out his truth and his voice with a different voice. There are a lot of weeds in our culture right now. But there always has been. Man has always been really good at coming up with philosophies and ideas. What's interesting is, at the time, whenever they come up, they seem really noble. And then like 50 years later, you look back and you're like, wow. I can't believe anybody followed that. What a bunch of crazy ideas that was, you know? Why, how would anybody go that, that route with that? Well, it's because in the time, it's so easy to be caught up in the mix. They start, oh, man, I saw this. Oh, did you see this? Oh, wow. Okay, well, they start coming up with your own conclusions. What does the word of God say? That is, our, that is what disciples us. That is what matures us. In community, church, yes. But as we're coming to the knowledge of knowing Jesus, knowing what he tells us, knowing who we are and what we're following, what it means to follow him, what he's calling us to do as believers, then we're, we're, we know what the opposite is too. This does not correspond with scripture. This is the opposite of what Jesus is calling us to do. You say this, the word of God says that. I'm, I'm, I'm going with him. Because one of the things that we know about Satan is he is so good at deception. He's so good at deceiving. He's so good at, and our hearts are so, it's so good at justifying. We, we are so good at justifying ourselves. You know, oh, I stole it, but I really needed it. <laughs> Why did you really need it? I really wanted it, and so I needed it. <laughs> Other people have it, so I needed it, you know, or whatever. It's like, what in the world? Or I stole it because, you know, my life has been pretty rough, and so, you know, I deserve it. 
I, you know, I've had some hard knocks, so, you know, I've never had a nice car, so I'm going to take yours. It's your problem, not mine. We're so good at justifying ourselves. And so what we got to say is, stripped bare, stripped before the Lord, uh, which is, by the way, whenever you're in the presence of the Lord, there's like, I'm undone. There's like a nakedness. It's just like the, you know, the garden where they're like trying to put leaves together. Ah! Why? Because God pierces through all that junk. And, and as we spend time with him and we allow him to, we're in his presence, it reveals everything in us that's unholy. It shows everything in us that's not good and not right. It's like you take the gold and, and you burn off, you heat it up. And what do you see? You find out what's the real gold and what's the, the, the junk. It becomes really clear, you know. So, um, be encouraged that God is exceedingly gracious and merciful. And this is not talking about people who stumble. This is because we have amazing stories about the prodigal son. We have amazing stories about how God brings people back. We have amazing promises, you know, of, of scripture. But, but let it be sobering in the sense that we can absolutely choose to harden our hearts towards the things of God. And eventually we won't be able to unharden our hearts. There will be a place where, and by the way, you won't want to. You're, it's because you'll have chosen it. You want, you want to go there. But also we are reminded that every knee will bow. Whether you think you want that or not, no, you don't. I know everybody in here doesn't. The idea is this. Like we, are, we are so capable of amazing things in following God. and We are so capable of wickedness if we allow our flesh to rule our lives. And so we shouldn't feel comfortable with the sins that are like easy for us, that are around us, that are kind of like our go-tos. Because we don't know how much of an effect that has on the way we think, the way we live, the way we act, and it just it gets worse and worse. So anyway, um, yeah, gnarly scripture for sure, but it's, it's a good sobering reminder that we are not here to mess around with sin. We're not here to mess around. We want to stay as close to Jesus as we can. And there's nothing worth having in our, there's nothing that we have in our life that's worth it if it's causing damage to our relationship with God. We, the garden, pull out the rocks. Have good soil. Allow it to produce fruit in your life. And if you don't see fruit, go to God and say, I don't see fruit. Be honest about it. Don't be like, well, my fruit just looks different. You know, just be like, God, there's just no fruit in my life right now. And I'm a believer and I've been growing very slowly. <laughs> and and I'm, st I'm here. I love you. Um, please, Lord, just start producing something in me. I, I, I surrender to you. You're, I'm your Lord. Like, I, I want to start reading. I, wanna, I need to start praying. I, I want my life to be worth something. I want to, when I show up to heaven, be like, not be like, ah, I came in, he smells like smoke, but he made it in. I want him to be, when you get there, be like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, how cool would that be? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.